tuning into the New Vision Podcast. We've been in a series called Here Now. We've been talking about how God doesn't just want us to remember that he has done great things, but to know he wants to continue to do great things in us and through us. Enjoy the message. Last week, when we left off with Joseph's story in Genesis, we found Joseph in prison. And he didn't just find himself in prison because he was doing the wrong things. Actually, he did the right thing. And instead of getting cheered for, he got chains put on him. Now, if you're not sure who Joseph is or if you're just joining us for the first time today, let me tell you who Joseph is really, really quickly. His father is Jacob. He's got 11 other brothers. He's the second youngest. And out of all of the sons, he is the absolute favorite. His dad has made that very apparent. He gave him a coat either of many colors or a coat that had long sleeves that meant that he no longer had to work. It also meant that he was the heir. He would get everything after his father passed. His brothers didn't like him. They hated him. They thought of ways that they would hurt him. And then when they got their opportunity, they planned on killing him. But instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt, bought by Potiphar, who works for Pharaoh in the palace. Now, Potiphar sees that there's something different about Joseph, so he begins to place him in charge. And all of the things that Joseph was doing began to succeed. And then Potiphar's wife said, Joseph, you are so fine. Can you please be mine? That was a nice rhyme. I didn't even plan that. Unsuccessful in her attempts to seduce him, she begins to lie about him, and Joseph finds himself in prison. But let's go back to the very beginning for a moment because I don't know if, if you're like me. I like at the beginning of, of episodes when they kind of show you what's been happening up to this point. Just to remind you of what's going on. So let's go back to the beginning of his story. Because this all started out as a dream. A God-given dream to a 17-year-old. And through whatever cognitive abilities he had... At 17, he interpreted this dream to mean one thing. And those of us that are guys, when we're 17, we probably would have done the same thing. He got that dream and he thought, I'm going to be in charge. Thank you, God. Give me it. Can I get the dream again? God gives him the dream twice, right? So he knows this has to be exactly what's going to happen. And can you imagine the family meeting that Joseph calls? He had to have called a family meeting. We see that he gets to share his dream. Because if it's me and I call the family meeting, I'm not just going to walk in and say, hey, guys, thanks for coming today. I'm going to get my George Jefferson stroll on a little bit. I'm going to roll right up in there and be like, okay, I'm glad that you're here. Let me tell you how things are going to be. God has shown me I get to be the boss. Why don't you practice bowing now? Like that's the attitude of a 17-year-old. And for most of us guys, that's the time in our life when we feel like nothing can stop us. We are invincible. No one can whoop us. No one can tell us anything. All of these things. So imagine all of that. Now Joseph has a dream given from God where he's going to be in charge. I bet he thought, man, I can't wait for this to happen. Let it be tomorrow, God. I'm the man. I can be in charge. As Joseph processed all of this stuff, I feel like at 17, you think this dream is all about me. It's all about what I'm going to do, what God is going to do in me, through me. Look how great I am. But now we fast forward years later, and he's sitting in a cell, probably wondering what is going to happen next. 
And if we're honest, we find ourselves like this with Joseph, that if we're him, and this happens in our own lives, that by the time we've spent years hoping for something to be different, hoping for a dream to actually happen, when we get to this place, we would have wanted out. Sitting in a prison cell, not because you deserve it, but because someone lied about you. I want out. God, if this is what your dream looks like for my life, like give me another dream. I don't need this anymore. I mean, let's, let's be honest. The promise is exciting. The dream is exciting. The in-between parts, not, not so much. It's like if we had DVR for our lives, we would fast forward through the commercials Like, get me back to the program. That's where I want to be. And for most of us, that's how we pray. God, fast forward through this part of my life. I don't want this portion of it. The the thing is that in order to get to the dream, I have to walk through the process. That if we see that in Joseph's life, that there is a, a way to get from here to there, this is where most of us want to break out. If we're stuck in prison just like him, we're looking for the escape plan. We're hatching our way out of this current situation that we're in. Because we all have dreams. We all have dreams for our lives when when we think about what God wants to do, what we hope can happen in our own lives. We make plans. Whether they're God-given or dreams of our own, we think about what our family is going to look like. Sometimes before we're married, sometimes after we're married, we dream about what our kids are going to be like. What kind of parent we'll be. What kind of career we're going to have, how our life will unfold, which is why sometimes when we get to 25 and 30 and 40, we begin to get frustrated because it hasn't worked out the way that we planned. The dream that we had for ourselves isn't the dream that we're actually living out. The story that we wanted to have happen is not the story that's happening, nor is it the story that we're telling ourselves. See, because when we write our stories, when we live out our dreams, when we script it, we never put in things like losing our jobs. We never put in things like having a conversation with our boss where he tells us we can either resign or take a 25% cut in pay. We never plan for our kids to rebel. We never envision our dream leading us into a hospital room sitting next to our kids with no answers for why they're in the hospital. We never dream about our marriages becoming old and boring and stale and cold, let alone ending. But we all know that these things do happen. And we find ourselves a lot more like Joseph than we probably want to be because we have dreams. And God has given us these dreams. But we have no idea how much prison it's going to take to get us to the reality of those dreams, to the fulfillment of those dreams. But before we get too sad, I've worked really hard at that. Before we get lost in the sadness, I want to remind you that the dream that God has given you is still a part of his dream for you. And his dream will always result in expanding and growing the kingdom. He is invested in your dream happening, your story unfolding the exact way that he has planned. You just have to keep trusting that he has this worked out, that there is a method to the madness. There is purpose in the process. And so I want to show you something that we see later on about Joseph's life. 
And this is for free. This isn't even in Genesis. We're gonna, I'm going to give you a picture so that we can smile a little bit more this morning. Because as they began to write the history of the Israelites and how things happened and where they got to be or how they got to be where they are, this is what's written in Psalm 105. He sent a man before them. This is God. God sent a man before them. Them is referencing the Israelites. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They forced his feet into shackles. He was put in irons until the time his word, God's word, came to pass. The word of the Lord refined him. Now, if you look at other translations, it would say that God tested the character of Joseph until the time came for Joseph to do exactly what God wanted him to do. He used that time in prison, in shackles, in irons to work on his character. There was a process to all that was going on. And so if God is up to something, if where you're at right now is on purpose, if God can bring good from it, we need to look at it in a different way today. And so I want to show you three things from this point in Joseph's life that the process does for him and it can do and will do for us if we embrace it. Let's talk about the prison this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you that there is no limit to your power, that you can redeem any moment, any person, at any time. That, God, when we feel like we can't, you always can. So today I ask that you would open our ears, open our hearts to receive your word today, that what we hear would sink into who we are. It would change us. It would challenge us. It would motivate us to give all of ourselves to you that we would trust you more after today. And God, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word. God, anoint your word as it goes forth, as people hear it, let it do something incredible and help me to communicate it clearly and effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to Genesis 41. That's where we're gonna spend a lot of our time today. Is it 41? Or 40, I'm sorry. We're gonna start in chapter 40. As we get there, I wanna remind you of some things because remember, I worked really hard at the beginning to kind of build the tension so that you would see that there's purpose here in the prison. And so I want to remind you that in Joseph's story, there are a couple of phrases that happen over and over. We see um, a couple of them are at just the right time and it just so happens. So as you read his story, they pop up like at just the right time. Some Ishmaelite traders came when Joseph was in the pit. And it just so happens that they were going to Egypt. And it just so happened that when they got there, they sold Joseph to an Egyptian who worked in the palace. It just so happened that when Joseph got in trouble, his master didn't put him to death, but he put him in prison. And it just so happens that that prison was in the palace. And when we left Joseph... That's where he was, and now we're going to see that it just so happens that the prisoners that are with him happen to be two of the closest people that you can be to Pharaoh in the cupbearer and the baker. And it just so happens that they're not just cellmates, but Joseph actually is in charge of taking care of them. So let's see what happens, because as we, as we look at this, I, I hope that you're beginning to see that this is not just constant coincidence, that this is evidence of divine presence. Here's where we're at. Verse 5. While they were in prison, this is the cupbearer. Here we go. The Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. Each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. 
Now, I'll say this. Some of you may not say this. I'll say this. If I'm Joseph at this point and I'm in prison and two of Pharaoh's guys are there, I'm probably not going to care about how they look. I'm probably not going to care if they woke up that morning and they felt bad because my story is way worse than your story. Like, don't, don't tell me you had a rough day. Like, dude, you just came from the palace. Like, I'm a slave. Actually, I was kidnapped and brought here against my will. Actually, I'm in prison because this lady lied on me because I wouldn't sleep with her. I wouldn't do the wrong thing, and so this is why I'm here. If I'm Joseph, I probably would have hit my limit in that jail cell. That these guys would have represented everyone that had done me wrong, and I probably would have taken it out on them. I probably would have used wherever I was, however I could, to inflict on them as much pain as I had been inflicted, as much pain as I had received from others. And don't look at me that way. Because some of you have done that very same thing. It just wasn't in a prison cell. See, when, when people burn us, when they hurt us, when, when we feel played, we do something, we find out that these people were actually against us, they were intending to harm us, we stop serving and we become cynical. We begin to look for ways that we can get even. Sometimes when this happens in church, if we, if we feel like um, we've been betrayed by the church, we sit down. And we say, you know what, that's how it's going to be. I guess I just won't serve here anymore. I'll take my ball and I'll go home. All my gifts and my talents that Jesus gave me to give back to him, guess what? I'm not giving them to you. And you can roll your neck just like I did. Some of you are great at that. We begin to have a mentality of, I'll just look out for me. Whoever's around me, they are less important because people have taken advantage of me. I have to protect myself. No one else will. And we get to this choice where we can keep drinking the poison or we can embrace the process. And if we will begin to embrace the process, one of the first things it will do is the process gives us perspective perspective that we only get if we continue to walk this out. Watch this. Did you pay attention to what it said about Joseph in those few verses? All of the things that most of us would have done, Joseph was not doing. Joseph was not sulking. He was not pouting in his prison cell. His situation didn't make him care less about people next to him. He doesn't try to take it out on them. He's not ignoring them. He's not penalizing them for who they are, for what has been done to him. He's not doing any of that. Joseph notices what's going on with them. He begins to look at them and he sees them. And I want you to take notice of this because it wasn't just that they were upset. They were a little sad. When you dig into that, it says that their faces were flushed. They looked like they were sick, physically sick. They would have been pale. They would have looked gross. And Joseph could have ignored them. But the process gave him perspective that in his 20s he has that he didn't have in his teens. He sees them. And then he doesn't just see them, but now he's asking, what's wrong? Hey, what's, man, you look like something's going on today. I care. So now I'm going to ask. This self-absorbed teen was now a self-aware adult that could see people in a way that he could never have seen them when he was 17, given this dream to lord over everyone else. The process opened his eyes so that he could see people 
maybe that he would never have noticed before. And he doesn't just open his eyes to see people, but it begins to open his heart so that he can serve them. Because he didn't just put his arm around them and say, man, that stinks. Sorry, buddy. No, no, no. He says, what can I do for you? What's, what's going on? Can you, you can tell me. I don't know that I'll have the answers, but I'll be willing to listen to what's going on. And I think that's a big thing for us to take away from this morning, that as we get perspective and we begin to see people, that we begin to simply listen to what's going on in their world. Oh, we want to tell, but we don't want to listen. I want to tell you what's going on in my world, or I'll listen to you for a moment just so I can get to my stuff. But we see Joseph's heart begin to change in a way that I believe that the process helps him to do. See, if we embrace the process, we can change our perspective as well. We can begin to look around and see people just like us hurting and maybe in the same rut that we're in. Joseph didn't have to look far. He just had to look in the same prison cell that he was in to find people that were hurting just like he was hurting. To find people who may have been mistreated or, or were wondering if they were ever going to get out of the moment that they were in. The situation, the circumstance seemed to be overwhelming because what we read in a few verses, this wasn't just one day they were in prison with him. They would have been in prison for months, maybe even years before all of this stuff begins to play out. So it wasn't like they came in one day, Joseph was like, man, you look like you're sad. What's going on? Oh, man, this is what's going on. And then they get out. No, 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 this isn't how this unfolds. And we see Joseph with a different perspective now. That the dream that was self-centered and only about him, that had become a fantasy, was now turned into a dream that involved other people. That he could see the importance of people around him. Now that is a dream worth living for. That is a dream worth walking out a process for. When I begin to realize that my dream overlaps your dream and your story and God saw fit to bring me close to you so that while you're going through things, I can be present and see you and say, what's going on, man? I'm with you. How can I help you? There's a perspective that comes with the process. So Joseph humbly offers to listen to their dreams. And then he says, you know what? Not only will I listen, but I'll do something else. Because in all of my years of all of the struggle and all that I've done, I've discovered one thing that's been consistent. Joseph humbly offers to listen and then invite God into the situation. Joseph didn't say, man, I got this. Man, I got skills. I got dreams. I got plans. You know, I'm not going to stay in prison like this. Let me help you like I'm helping me. No. This kid is now humble. He now has no more arrogance in his voice. He now realizes that the only person that's been present, the only thing that has kept him has been God. And if anyone is going to provide anything in this moment, I got to invite God into this situation. So they tell him their dreams. Each dream had something to do with their profession. The, the, the cupbearer dreamt um, about being the cupbearer, the baker dreamed about bread, and Joseph rolled out the meanings to them. We're not going to look at them. There's some strange dreams, man. Some of you have weird dreams. But they were because you ate pizza, not because Jesus gave it to you. Let me, while we're talking about strange dreams, 
you know, one of the, the first times I got in trouble in our marriage was because Mel had a bad dream about me and took it out on me in the morning. I just would like to point that out. I did nothing wrong. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just for free. So Joseph breaks down the meanings. There was a symbol of, of three that repeated in both of their meanings. And Joseph said, look, three days later, something's going to change. Actually, in three days, both of you will be released from prison, but only one of you will go free. You see, the cupbearer will get reinstated, but the baker will get decapitated. They didn't just do something small to Pharaoh. The offense had to have been great. And I don't know how Joseph did with telling them good news and bad news at the same time. Because when he gave the good news, Scripture says the beggar was like, hey, let me tell you my dream. You got good news for me? No, I, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't have great news at all. You're both going to get your heads lifted up. Only one of your heads is going to come all the way off when this happens. Like that's how the Hebrew is written right there. It's so great. <laughs> I know it is terrible. Sorry. You can't tell me the Bible's boring, man. So in this moment, when he shares with the cupbearer this favorable news, he asks him, can you do a favor for me? When you get released, can you maybe just put in a good word for me? Maybe Pharaoh will let me out because, man, I was kidnapped. And I'm in here. It's not even my fault. I did nothing wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm falsely in prison. Can you just check on that for me? And some people would see that that, that was a, a moment of weakness for Joseph, that he was no longer trusting God. I, I see the opposite of this because if I'm Joseph, this might be and it might look like an opportunity that God put in front of you. This is the first time we see Joseph kind of plead his case or bring it up to anyone at all. And maybe he was just thinking, God might have lined all this up for this guy to help me to get out. Let's see what happens next. Verse 20 of chapter 40, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. He prepared a banquet for all his officials. Man, I got to get rolling. And staff, he summoned the chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the officials. He then restored the cupbearer to his former position so that he could once again hand Pharaoh his cup. But the Pharaoh impaled the chief baker. So when he did that, he cuts his head off first, and then they stick him on a stick. That's what happens there. That's it's crazy. But they did see this is why like the disrespect was severe because in the Egyptian culture you would that kept you from moving on to the next life. So whatever the baker did, Pharaoh was intent on his life ending here and now you don't get to pass go, you don't get to go to the afterlife. Like he he did something crazy. I don't know what it was. Um, chief let's see, the chief cupbearer, however, he forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. Both of the dreams come true. Joseph gave them exactly what was going to happen. And if I'm Joseph, if we're Joseph in this moment, we have to know and we have to think like, oh, this just happened. Surely they're going to remember me now. He's got to say something like, I told him exactly how this was going to be. I encouraged him. I lifted his spirits while he was here. He's going to speak to Pharaoh. And then maybe the next day he was like, man, today's probably going to be the day. And then the next day, and the next day, maybe he began to think like, well, maybe there's a lot of paperwork you got to do to get someone out of jail. Maybe he's waiting for the right time. That's probably it. He's probably waiting for Pharaoh to be in the right mood. He probably got busy. You know, he had to get back into the swing of things. 
but we see what looks to be a door open for Joseph, and then it closes. People make promises to us, and they break them. They let us down. They swear they won't change. They won't forget us if they make it, if they get that position, if they get that pay raise, but then they do. And if you're here right now, if you feel like that's what's been happening to you, that doors have opened and then slammed in your face, that people have let you down, I want you to not give up hope, but hold out hope. Continue to trust that God's timing is working, that he is still in the process of bringing you exactly to where you need to be. Because not only does the process bring us perspective, the process grows patience. Now I'm going to make a statement, and this is a really good statement. It is a very true statement, but it is a very harsh statement. It's this. See, the process grows patience because patience prepares you for service better than success ever will. Because when you look at patience, patience is long-suffering. Suffering will prepare you for service far better than success ever can. How do I know that, Pastor? That's crazy. No, no, no. Look at Joseph's life. Especially once he started in with Potiphar. What do we see happening? Everything he does is successful. Everything he does is successful. But that doesn't seem to be what grows his character. It seems that the perceived failures of his life, that's what really grew his character. This excruciating, painful time of waiting is what God used to produce something in him that only could come from long suffering. He used this time to shape and mold his character. Perspective that Joseph had now didn't change overnight. It changed as he learned to trust God. We get this in other areas of our lives. Those of you who garden and you, you have flowers or you have, you have uh, stuff that you eat out of your garden, you know that it just doesn't happen because you hope that it's going to come up. That you have to do things for in order for that to happen. If you want corn, you better work on that garden. You better dig it up. You better plant your seed. You better water it. You better take care of it because that's the only way that it's going to show up. Guess what? If you begin to plow the, the heart that you have, the soil that's inside of you, and let that faith that God has given you get planted deep down in, that eventually faithfulness will begin to grow and you will see patience work and maturity grow and endurance happening. All of these things happen only as you allow the process to grow patience. It does not happen overnight. It does not happen through any other way but suffering. No one really wants to sign up for that. If we had a sign-up sheet, no one's name would be on it. Give me the one that's easy. That's the one I want. But we find that when Jesus was here, his name was at the top of the list because he knew that suffering prepared him for service better than success ever would. That because of what he suffered, he was willing and able to now pay the price for you and for me. He knew that suffering was the road that he had to take. He knew that even if he did the right thing and the bad thing happened to him, that he was going to continue to walk and work to get to exactly where God wanted him to go. I feel like Joseph in this moment could have just sat down in his prison cell and thought, this is just like the pit. I've got no hope to get out of here by myself. I tried, but I need someone else to help me. I wonder if he sat and just for a moment struggled with where he was, 
struggled that he was confined, struggled that he was trapped, struggled that he was forgotten all over again. But don't let your confinement erode your commitment to the process because God is still working on the dream and working on us. Here's the thing, we're devoted to the dream, but God is devoted to developing the one with the dream. So I want that dream, but God wants you to develop so that you can have the dream. So could it be that prison is your proving ground? That where you are right now is preparation for at just the right moment for you to not just get a shot at what God has for you, but for you to get your promise. God has no intention for you to peek into the promised land. He has every intention of you to live in the promised land. So could it be that everything that you're going through right now is preparing you for what's next? When we look in Scripture, we see a proving ground for a lot of the people that we herald as men and women of faith. We see David had one, Noah had one, Moses had one, Jesus had one, and it prepared all of them for what was ahead of them. You're in good company if where you're at feels like a proving ground. And maybe you're in prison right now. Maybe you feel trapped right now in your reason for being trapped is so that you help someone out. That you get someone else out of prison before you get yourself out. That maybe the, the crux of your dream relies on you helping someone else's dream come true. What about me? Well, maybe this is just the proving ground. Maybe you're there so that you can develop some patience and some character. Maybe God is using this so that you will be ready for the promotion. So don't be tempted to believe that the waiting is being wasted. That's not at all how God works. Nothing is ever wasted. Not your pain, not the prison, not this point in your life. None of it is wasted. It will all produce. If you give it to God, if you continue to walk with him in this process, the process will produce what you need so that you can get the promise. You get it no other way. The lasting, the process gets the promise. Let, let's see what happens next. We see Joseph was forgotten. Pharaoh, two years later, has a dream. No one can tell him what these dreams mean. He asks everyone. The significance even of Joseph being asked in prison would have been if the cupbearer and the baker were just in the palace, they would have consulted the magicians. They would have found the professional dream tellers. But they didn't have that. But they found a man who was connected to God and told them everything that their dream meant. So then as Pharaoh is frustrated and angry that no one can tell him what these dreams meant at that moment, the cupbearer remembers, dang, Joseph. He goes to Pharaoh and says, man, remember, remember that time you threw me in prison? Remember the one guy, he's dead, I'm alive. Thanks for that again. Um, when I was there, I had a dream. And I didn't know what it meant, but there was this Jewish guy there. His name is Joseph, and he told me everything that was going to happen. It all worked out exactly the way that I told it. He, he said it, and it happened, and it was crazy. And so Pharaoh does this. Verse 14 of chapter 41, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was quickly brought from the prison. What's kind of cool here is the word prison there is the same word that we found earlier for pit. Kind of the same thing all over again. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh brings Joseph out. And I believe this with all my heart, that release from the prison at any other time than right then would have just led to Joseph's freedom. It wouldn't have led him to the palace. It wouldn't have led him to where God needed him to be. If two years prior, if the cupbearer would have said, hey, that guy, he told me all these things. And Pharaoh's like, he's in there on accident. On, no, 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 let him go. I believe that Joseph would have gotten his freedom and maybe just went home. Maybe tried to patch things up, figure things out, tell on his brothers, get them, whatever it may have been. I believe that at any other time than right then, it wouldn't have worked out the way that it was supposed to. And what's wild about that is Joseph looked like he was being forgotten. But man's forgetfulness doesn't stop God's faithfulness. So if you feel forgotten, don't be surprised if it takes longer than what you think it should. Don't be surprised if, if what you're going through, you go through a little bit longer before you get out. I know you prayed to get out of it, but maybe God isn't done working out all of the things that he needs to work out. His timing is still the right timing. God loves you too much. Hear me this morning. God loves you too much to answer your prayer at any other time than the right time. God loves you too much. He loves you too much to take you to that place before you're ready to live in that place. That's God's love. It may not feel like it in the moment. It may feel like forgotten. It may feel like I'm not important. It may feel painful. It may be frustrating. But you can trust that man's forgetfulness does not stop God's faithfulness. And when he gets you there, this was, this was great. When he gets you to the palace, all of the things that you went for so that you're not the same prisoner that you were when you walk into the palace. What's it say? He took Joseph out of the prison. They shaved him. They put new clothes on because you can't be in the palace like you were in the prison. You can't be the same person walking in front of Pharaoh that you were in the pit. You're not the same 17-year-old kid that only thought about yourself. You're now a man and a woman of God who sees things differently, who God has done things in your heart and in your life, and you're ready to walk through and take hold of the promise that God has put in front of you. Not because you're all that, but because you see all of the things that God did to get you to this place. The promise gets, the process gets the promise. One last thing as we close. Pharaoh then tells Joseph, man, I had a dream. No one can tell me what it means, but I heard that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph says, some incredibly powerful words next. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. When Pharaoh presents the problem to Joseph, again, Joseph responds with who has been there through the whole process. Joseph reminds Pharaoh that, man, what you're asking is big, and I know I'm buff, but I can't carry all that you just asked me to carry. But I do know a God who has been present, and he can take care of what you need so that you can rest easy. He invites Pharaoh to meet a God who has been with him through the whole process, through every step, every trial, every temptation, every twist. Pharaoh needed to know who God was. And I wonder if at this moment, Joseph allowed himself a moment to let where he was wash over him. To let this 
thought that this kid who thought life was about him, who's been transformed to this young man with wisdom that God is using, he's standing in the palace, no longer a prisoner, no longer a slave. He's different now. I wonder if as he was talking to Pharaoh, he was just silently thanking God for being with him. I wonder if that night when he went back to his room, I wonder if tears just began to roll down his face. Because he could see way more clearly now than he ever could before. That he was never alone. He was never forgotten. He was never misplaced. That God was with him the whole time. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? If you were here today and you feel a lot like Joseph could have felt in this story. You feel, you feel forgotten right now. You feel overlooked. You feel stuck. You feel like you're trapped in life and you can't see a way out. Can I suggest to you the truth that Joseph knew? That you are not forgotten. That God knows exactly where you are that he is not abandoning you, he's just preparing for you. That God isn't picking on you, but he's picked you to reveal a promise. A promise that can't just be handed to you in a moment. It's gotta be worked on and worked out. You gotta have the right character to walk this out. And he loves you so much that he's going to do it at just the right time. No matter where you are today, no matter how you feel, no matter what spot you find yourself in life, God is with you. He's been working hard on your behalf because he does have purpose for you. He does have a promise for you, a dream for you. How do I know that? Because when you and I were stuck because of sin that separated us from God, we find that the promise and the dream that God has for us is a new life found in Jesus. That when we were lost, when we were hurting, when we were alone, when sin removed us, when it did damage because we chose it over God, God chose to send Jesus for us. We were not forgotten then, we are not forgotten now. God loved us so much that he gave the very best he had in his son Jesus so that you and I could experience life like we never imagined. A life that was fulfilling, a life with purpose, a life where we no longer had to be alone because God was with us. God is with us. He wants to lead us and guide us and strengthen us and take us places that we could have never even dreamed for ourselves. And that dream overlaps his dream for all mankind that we would take the hope that we receive from Jesus and share it with those that are in prison with us, that are trapped, that are lonely, that are hurting. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I need to get my life straight with Jesus. My relationship with him isn't great. I've been struggling and in my struggle, I've walked away from him. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. But 
you feel something on the inside. You hear this, this voice. You, you feel something different happening in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you that God loves you. That he wants you. He has a plan for you. But he's not going to force it on you. He wants you to choose it. And if that's you today, you need to establish or reestablish a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer that I'm going to ask everyone to repeat. And if you mean what we pray this morning, God will come in, give you a fresh start and a new life and hope once again. Would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I need you to save me. I give you all of who I am. All of my struggles, all of my weakness, all of the broken pieces. And I ask that you make me whole. Give me a new heart and a new mind and a new direction. All that you have for me. I'll take, and I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you for giving me new hope today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in a couple of minutes, the worship team is just going to play and sing, because I feel like there's some of us in this place today that we feel a little bit more stuck than we want to admit out loud. We feel a little bit more trapped than we ever have in our life and the process is eating our lunch because we just want out. So I want to allow some space today for God to speak to you, for you to be honest with him so that he can give you different perspective, so that he can remind you that he's working all things together for good. It may not feel like it right now. It may not look like it. But if your life is in pieces and it feels like it's shattered so much that it's just dust, I want to remind you this morning what God can do with dust. That in Genesis, we see him take the dust of the earth and shape it into a life and him breathe into it. And man was created. If your life feels broken and in particles today, he does miracles with that. Just give him some moments and ask him to do it once again. Ask him to put it back together in a way that only he can. So use these next few moments to speak to God and to let him speak to you. that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.